Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Welcome everybody for those who are just joining. And the first thing I just wanted to, to make everybody aware of was, unfortunately, we've got a bit of a clash in a couple of weeks around diary dates. So I think we've moved the next webinar um, to the 14th of October, which I think is a Friday. Um, but I'm assuming, Giselle, um, we're going to send out an amended invitation or reminder. So I guess just watch the space and we'll sort that out. So apologies for having to move the time. Okay, I think everybody's probably joined us now. So we're going to kick off just a few items that um, Ed and I wanted to focus on today. Um, so I'm going to start on the first item and then I'm going to hand back to Ed for the next item. So I just really wanted to cover off flu indemnity, first of all, just very briefly, and just make sure that everybody was aware that the seasonal flu enhanced service spec was updated earlier this week. And it now includes a new requirement for practices to offer their eligible frontline patient-facing staff a flu vaccination as part of your employer occupational health responsibilities. Um, so that brings the, the provision of flu vaccinations to the eligible practice staff under the provision of the CNSGP scheme, um, the indemnity scheme. So that's good news for practices. So um, although you won't re receive reimbursement, um, of either the IOS fee or vaccine costs, it does mean that you are covered by indemnity to vaccinate those staff themselves. So um, kind of mixed news, but uh, hopefully good news in terms of the indemnity issue. Okay, Ed, over to you for the next item. Thanks. Um, so if you don't, so I'm, I've been here six months, so I think I know most people just in case I'm uh, one of the medical directors here and a GP based in Salisbury. Um, so the next item was... Um, that's why we're perhaps asking about the name of our health secretary. So we're going for Therese Coffey, um, our plan for patients. So I think you've all seen this on the uh, in the news recently. Um, we thought it'd be helpful just to give a little bit of an update on it. It's, um, I've looked at it on the, uh, you can view it on the government website. I think there's a link coming from our newsletter. Um, and um, essentially it's... Um, it's this, it's a, I think the big headlines would be it's a fairly political thing. I think the BMA's response is there's nothing contractual in this. It's sort of opinion and, and sort of mentioning. Um, and I think the other big bit to pull out is that it's everyone who needs an appointment within two weeks will get one. So not wanting an appointment. Be interested in the, um, if there's any feedback, uh, uh, I guess through the Q&A or the, perhaps a chat. I'm not sure, Lisa, if, if you've had patients sort of mentioning this or if this caused any issues for you. Um, at this point um, but otherwise I'll just um, highlight some of the main points so uh, it's published on the 22nd of September sets out a range of measures for the NHS and social care to perform the best for patients sits alongside the NHS long-term plan um, and forthcoming workforce plans and plans to reform adult social care uh, commitment is to make it make performance within primary and second care more transparent, uh, make it easier for people to work in and support the NHS, shift the balance of funding between health and social care to improve individuals' experience of care. Uh, a bit you've probably heard about is the ABCD, um, double D, uh, ambulances, backlog, care, doctors, doctors and dentists. And I think this is a sort of um, uh, uh, previously used method um, uh, from the health secretary. And uh, that's the um, bit save uh, highlighter, some sort of glaring bits that are missing from that, but uh, uh, that's what we're, we're looking at. Uh, prevention services will move closer to the patient, so things like mobile breast screening, home blood pressure monitoring, focus on reducing cardiovascular disease, type 2 di 
diabetes and improving mental health and well-being. And I think that's the theme of it. You know, reading through the detail, there's, you know, she's been two weeks of the job. Um, there's not a lot that I wasn't sort of aware that was happening here. There's not sort of a lot of new things. There's perhaps um, pushing on some things that were happening in different areas. So it sort of felt to me a little bit more like um, uh, sort of Department of Health led about what they're sort of doing. And it's sort of almost like a political uh, statement to say, look, we're, we're doing things. This is the headline, really. Everyone who needs an appointment will be seen within two weeks. Uh, patients earn urgent needs uh, who needs to be seen on the same day are prioritised, such note as opening up more than a million extra appointments over winter. Um, but I think probably reflect actually a lot of that is happening anyway. So I think, you know, if a patient needs to be seen the same day, I think most of our practices are, are offering that. And I think uh, in the management meeting earlier today, there was a statistic of 85% of patients get seen within two weeks. So there'll be a number of patients who actually don't want to see within two weeks where, you know, I, I want to give it a bit of time and see what's happening and uh, let's review things in four weeks. Um, interesting one, they're simply opening up an additional 31,000 phone lines for GP practices. Um, so it's, uh, I think that's sort of building on a conversation that's been around for a little while about doing more cloud-based telephony and uh, opening up. I think the obvious questions about who will actually staff the lines and how that will uh, essentially help. Uh, inform patients by published data on how many appointments each GP, each GP practice delivers and the length of wait for appointments to enable choice. So that's, I think, perhaps the, the transparency bit. And I think they'll have a bit of a... Um, uh, that's going to have an impact on on practices. I think it it feels sort of a um, sort of unhelpful, really, when it's uh, with the the amount of pressure there is. But that that's that's what's coming. Uh, and this is an interesting uh, phrase of word: require integrated care boards to hold practices to account, providing support to those practices with the most acute access cha challenges. So, I think that'll be a uh, a test of local integrated care systems, where that's sort of the steer nationally, but um, we'd hope for more supportive conversations rather than sort of holding to account as a, as a concept. Um, they're recruiting more 111 and 999 call handlers. I think when I look for the document, I was surprised that there what appears to be quite low levels of those, but they're looking to improve that. Improving ambulance response times, more capacity in hospitals, backlogs and reducing waiting times by expanding capacity in secondary care or the independent sector, more diagnostic tests, prioritising the longest waiting lists, using data and digital to support the wider system, improving access to the care system and NHS dentistry. So I think a lot of things which are, they were around, it's not completely new stories to me, um, but um, I think they sort of packaged it as a, uh, as a statement, the BMA's response was, it's good to see the health secretary acknowledge that there's a problem with general practice, but she could solve this better with meaningful dialogue and constructive engagement with GPs rather than yet another new set of ill-advised, undeliverable targets. So fairly blunt there. Um, I don't think there was any engagement with uh, um, uh, GPs on this, the RCGP or BMA to sort of um, be asked what would be helpful. And I think that's the main bit. It's um, I think the difficult bit really is the the simple headline uh, people will read will be you can see a GP now within two weeks and here's all the things to do with it. Uh, unfortunately, the two don't equate for me. So the the here's, here's uh, extra phone lines and some extra sort of help with things, but it doesn't equate to suddenly there'll be a 
uh, the ability to must see people within two weeks. So I think that's what we'd encourage really, just leading on the um, lack of a contractual requirement to do this um, and also the sort of needs-based assessment. So if a patient needs to be seen within two weeks, then they will, and there's no new contractual mechanisms to, to force anything of, the, of this through. So interesting to see, and I think it comes up, but uh, I think just one to be aware of rather than feeling there's a, a lot of actions that are needed. A um, couple of comments just um, in the Q&A, Ed. Um, patients haven't mentioned directly, um, but this particular practice already offer it, except some snide comments on social media. So, um, unfortunately, that's the usual. It's raising patient expectations and not really quantifying the detail. Um, another comment, the num numbers coming through duty, especially on a Monday, are huge and worry for the duty team and the pressure, I guess, that it's going to put on them. Um, and also just sort of backing up what you've said, telephone lines need trained staff to, to answer the calls. Um, so there are consequences, I guess. Yeah, and I think, I think, you know, this is one bit of the conversation. It's a very political bit of conversation. It's a new government. Uh, there's a lot to be, uh, a new prime minister, sorry, but there's a lot to... Um, you know, there's political need for some of this, but it, it, it conflicts with some of the wider conversations we're having around patient safety and uh, empowering practices to say what their boundaries are. Uh, I think I sort of hold that within the conversation here. I mean, there's this political expectation here, but I think there's also a, um, a, a wider understanding that the, the safety is more important here as in that comment about the, the Monday duties, you know, around appointment length, length of time and, and sort of having a, a boundary. Uh, probably the best document around this is the BMA um, Safe Working Practices document around what, uh, how to sort of uh, consider patient safety as a, as a high factor in how we're addressing patient needs and wants. Yep couple of other comments um you know it, it's all a bit of a spin things that are already in the pipeline or things we are all or mostly doing but couch in a way that makes the headlines um you know this inevitably comes with new health minister new prime minister they want to make their mark um and another comment absolutely it's the issue is need not want and um what's contractual and not contractual yeah okay Thanks, Ed. And just to add, I think um, BMA have issued a statement, haven't they, in terms of um, expressing sort of some disappointment um, around the detail. Glad that the health secretary is acknowledging there is an issue, but um, they didn't engage with the BMA, I don't think, before this was published, and that's disappointing um, as ever. Okay, thanks, Ed. Um, I'm now just going to move on to um, another letter that was just published this week. I think it came out on the 26th um, and signed by Amanda Doyle, who's the National Director for Primary and Community Services. So this is around sort of extra capacity through the winter. Um, it's called Supporting General Practice PCNs and their teams through winter and beyond. And I just wanted to run through a bit of the detail. Apologies to those of you that have already read it. And I'm conscious that some of it focuses on PCN, so it may be of less interest to those that you aren't directly involved in the PCN work program, but I will just run through it um, relatively quickly. Then if anybody's got any comments or questions, please feel free to, to feed them back. Um, so this is really, there's an acknowledgement that we, the, the government do need to boost capacity in advance of the winter. Um, and the letter is seeking to set out some of the areas where they're hoping to relieve the pressure on access um, and encourage system collaboration. 
So there is an expectation that ICBs will action this local level um, and they will come up with some of the practical and um, detail of the requirements. Um, they're also expected to prioritise resources where they are most needed or one might help hope that they do that already, but there we go. Um, they've also put in a line in there whereby they're saying that the national team is also seeking to identify where additional capital may be sourced and made available to ICBs later in the year. We don't have any more detail than that at the moment. We have heard mention that the premises cost directions may be published. Again, haven't heard any more detail other than the mention of that. So I think that's, that's a, a question of watch this space. So the immediate changes that um, they've announced, and we will cover this in the newsletter this week. So there will be a link, and we'll put a link in the chat and on the website. So, so need to, no need to take this down. But there is immediate changes that they are going to issue a variation to the net, network contract DES. And the key bullets that that will cover, they're going to introduce further flexibility into the ARRS, including the addition of a GP assistant role. And that's intended to help reduce the burden, um, the administrative burden on GP teams and the digital and transformation lead role to support patients and practice teams. Um, I had heard mention of, of that already. So I think that's already been in the pipeline, but it'd be interesting to see if anybody has experience of that yet. Um, increase the current cap on hiring um, uh, APs from one PCN to two. Um, reimburse training time for nursing associates to become registered nurses. Increase the ARS maximum reimbursement rates for 22 to 23 to account for the agenda for change uplift. Um, remove the minimum 0.5 full-time equivalent restriction on clinical pharmacists once they've completed the required eight months, 18 months training course or have been granted equivalents from the PCPEP pathway. Permit equivalent entry routes to PCPEP for the clinical pharmacist role and then retire or defer to 23-24 for IIF indicators, which is the equivalent of 37 million, and allocate this funding to PCNs via a monthly PCN capacity and access support payment for the purchase of additional clinical services this winter. Um, and those indicators that are being um, deferred include ACC02, EHCH06, and ACC08. And the one that's being retired is ACC05. They're going to also reduce the thresholds on two IIF indicators and change the definition of the further two to make them easier to, to achieve. And that includes the indicators CBD02 and PC01. They're removing the personalised care indicator requirement for all clinical staff to undertake the Personalised Care Institute's e-learning refresh training for shared decision-making conversations. And they're making changes to the anticipatory care requirements to support PCN capacity over winter and reflect the revised national approach of phased implementation of this model of care from April 23. So that indicate, includes the indicators CAN001 and CBD04. Um, the other part of the letter that they've, they've mooted is that they are intending to reduce bureaucracy and focus on the primary secondary care interface. Um, they're working with the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges, which has been commissioned apparently to identify some actionable insights into this 
there's not much more detail in the letter. Um, they, they've referenced some existing tools within the letter, um, as I say, which we'll put on the website, the link. Um, but that's all we know so far. So we're going to sort of digest that as a team, look at the BMA response and, and see what comes out of that. So we will issue a bit more detail as, as and when we can. So I don't know if anybody's got any comments on that. Um, I think it might be one just coming in a sec, but I, I suppose first question for me, Lisa, it, it, I've not quite got to this today, but it, it seems quite a lot um, sort of like it's very PCN heavy, if that makes sense. It's not, it's, it's not it's, it's saying it's practice support, but it's sort of, absolutely, yes. sort of going through the PCNs and it's not quite linking to practice, which I think is what we're seeing a lot of sort of funding going to PCNs and then it looks like the support is at that level is that yeah fair? it absolutely feels like that i'd be interested in people's comments in the in the chat in terms of whether that's your perception too but that was what struck me i must admit when i read the initial letter and i guess that just seems to reflect the fact that a lot of the funding now seems to be directed via pcns and looks like the direction of travel um yeah, interestingly i think from, um, sorry no, no, that, that, that's fine. I, I was just going to say, interesting, I think a number of areas were already sort of lining up some winter access funding anyway, in the hope that some central funding will be made available. But it sounds like from the letter, there's an expectation that ICBs will find that funding. Yeah, um, helpful point from Debbie, sort of wondering why anyone would want to start to work for GP practices, funding, hourly rates, uh, working conditions are so much better in PCNs, will end up being destabilised by the machine that's set up to help us, which I think is a really... Um, yeah, I think that's a really good comment. Good, good, good point. Um, yeah. I, uh, there were a couple of comments um, from, from Susanna. I think they're slightly earlier comments, if anyone's got any comments on... Uh, so I think there might be a couple more coming in in a minute, but I'll just go back to Susanna's points around safety. I think that's a really good point. I think we came at the end of the last uh, one. So staff safety completely being sidelined. Um, do you NHS England not know that GP assistants need to be supervised, giving us more to do? We don't have enough doctors to supervise. It's unsafe. So I think um, uh, we might have put in the same <laughs> same moment, same thoughts. The BMA Safe Working Practices document is worth looking at if you've not. Uh, we've got a, a recent podcast on patient safety, uh, which I, I found helpful to look at. And uh, there was a recent introduction from me about learn from patient safety events. And I think that is the, um, a message we would encourage. I think with all these pressures, it, it, you can either sort of contract and say that's okay, we'll just take more and more. But actually, if you're going to hold a boundary, then patient safety seems to be a, a good boundary to stand by. And uh, there's some things to look at in there. Um, just comment from Jenny. Yeah, not had a chance to read this yet. I think yeah, I, I saw it first thing. I think it's come out. It's very, very hot off the. I've not read it yet, so hot off the press. Um, and yeah, a feeling like uh, NHS England and government are trying to destroy practices. And uh, yeah, it's hard to hard to disagree with that in a, in a sense. Yeah. I think in terms of the you know still the um, core funding being under 100 pounds for practices and a lot more is going through um, PCNs. Uh, I don't I don't think it's sort of uh, uh, there's clearly action against practices, but it, I think, you know, there's a number of instances like this where support could be more practice level where um, it's going to a slightly different area. Absolutely. Okay, well, we will just digest that and we will, as I say, publish a bit more information. I don't think I've seen a, a, a response from the BMA as yet, so um, I would guess they're looking at it too. So as soon as we get that, we'll circulate it as usual with the newsletter. So watch the space. Okay, Ed, did you want to move on to your last item? 
Yep. So uh, last item was just a really short item. It's essentially because we uh, met them yesterday. So it's just to highlight the work of the Cameron Fund, which is a, a charity for GPs. Um, so GPs and their dependents, um, particularly helps around financial issues. So it was just a really quick uh, brief mention. I don't know if a number of people will be aware of it, but just uh, we had a, an hour's meeting with uh, one of the leads from there yesterday. And I think that's a, the key bit I was unaware of was um, uh, that uh, usually people who go to assess for it are then put um, in contact with a financial advisor who will go through their affairs with them and then if there's a decision to support financially then it moves on from there but even if there's not that process is a sort of helpful process where you get sort of a, a free um, input from a financial advisor to give support so just uh, briefly to raise awareness of that charity the, the Cameron funds for uh, specifically for GPs and their dependents we've got more information on that in our GP support booklet so we've got on our website a, a list of um, uh, places GPs can look to for support Okay, thanks, Ed. And the only final thing I just really wanted to mention was um, it's kind of work in progress, but we are trying to meet with CQC fairly urgently. We've just had a bit of a heads up from um, practices spread very broadly across the patch um, that CQC appear to be looking very closely at the clinical searches, um, particularly structured medication reviews rather than medication reviews and coding at the moment. So we're just going to try and meet with them fairly urgent to understand if, if that is a specific area of um, focus they're looking at um, or if it's a bit of a red herring and so that we can come back out to practices with a bit more guidance. Ed, I don't know if you want to add anything further on that, but we will add more detail when we know it. Yeah, just be interested. I mean, contact us at the office if you're experiencing this too. I think we're we're just seeing in all our areas, um, A, more inspections coming back, which is sort of to be expected, but I think it's worth, um, you know, I don't think the, the pandemic is over and the pressures from that. Um, uh, it feels like the CQC has sort of gone full, turned it all back on very suddenly. Um, and you know, that's the pattern we're seeing at the moment, which we'll try and raise is the... Um, perhaps the face-to-face -face, um, day goes fairly well, but there's there's these remote login um, searches around medication, and our viewers are not sensitive or specific enough, so they're they're picking up problems. And there's an argument about whether or not they're problems or not. I think there's one with around 10% of thyroid functions missing in the last 18 months. And I think in the context of uh, just coming out of a pandemic, that wasn't um, high on my list of concerns or safety worries. Um, but so are the thresholds a little bit high specifically but also actually we saw a, a really helpful rebuttal from one of our practices where the remote searches identified these numbers of patients but actually if you go into the detail the searches aren't set up well enough and you know it's a quite comprehensive rebuttal of all the issues that are raised and saying well actually you've identified these patients well you haven't we've got all this information showing this this and this and you haven't you haven't looked at it so yeah interested if you if you have any um similar situations but uh yeah i think that's perhaps the message in the wider grouping is that cqc sort of seems to be more active and, and back and i think that seems to be an area of focus uh, particularly around medications and the searches uh, that they yeah. run so uh, just an awareness of that is helpful but we'll get into more discussions with them and see what we can influence Yep, and just reminded that we have got the link to the clinical searches on our website. So if anybody needs that, just let me know and I'll send it across. But it's it's also quite easy to, to find. Um, and a, a final comment from Susie, I think you're quite right. Let's put them on the phone lines and see how they cope. Uh, that would be really interesting.
What a good okay. way to end. I think that's right. <laughs> we'll put them all in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it from us today. Um, so I hope that was useful. Um, hopefully you've got a bit of time back now, maybe even just to make yourself a cup of tea and have a brief um, pause before the next thing comes in. So thank you very much, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Wessex LNCs supporting you and your practice. 